Welcome to the first Motorsport Monday on Office Chair Sports Podcast. Please roll up a chair and listen. Yes, I know it's not Monday and it's Wednesday, but I couldn't just wait another week to make this podcast. There's a lot that happened over the weekend. So in these episodes of Motorsport Monday, we're going to be talking Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR, and other big motorsport news around the world. Also, make sure to check out our official YouTube channel for clips from the Motorsport Monday podcast, Sports Talk Tuesday podcast, and more exclusive content only on YouTube. Now let's get straight into it. Miami hosted Formula One this Mother's Day weekend. The Miami Autodrome in Miami around the Hard Rock Stadium was the 11th venue to host a Formula One race in the United States. The race had a strong and it had its low points. Starting with the strong points, race start was very good. It involved a battle for the lead. We saw different strategies come into play in the beginning. But towards the middle part of the Grand Prix, it kind of fell a little flat. There was no racing. It just became one big DRS train. The DRS train was headed by Aston Martin, McLaren, and Haas. After different pit strategies put them all together. With Aston Martin starting in the back after a fuel problem, and they found their fuel was too cold, so both of them had to start in the pit lane. Things kind of turned on its head when Gasly went wide and turned right into Lando Norris while coming onto the track, bringing out the safety car. Then this led to a very intense battle for the lead between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc, kind of following the theme that has been seen all season. Max Verstappen would defend his lead and eventually go on to win the Grand Prix, but also during the safety car and after the restart from the safety car, both Haas's and Austin Martins came together when Mick Schumacher clad into the side of Sebastian Vettel and then Kevin Magnussen went into stroll, damaging his floor and taking Magnussen out of the race. Where Max Verstappen would end up defending his position for lead and take the race victory over Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. The drivers being so fatigued, I think we saw after the race, uh, definitely with both of all the podium runners, we really saw them on the camera afterwards. So Max Verstappen was exhausted. He made the comment saying, oh, I need a drink. I think you need a drink too. And I thought he was telling like a little, you know, get a little tequila, get a little champagne. But no, he wanted some water or some Red Bull, man. He was exhausted. He looked exhausted. He literally sat down. I mean, first of all, the interviews. Oh, I... I can't talk about the interviews because those were just terrible. The worst podium interviews I've ever seen. But, I mean, good thing they were short because all those drivers were exhausted and they wanted to leave even quicker after the interview questions were asked. Those are terrible. Yeah, it was really physically demanding track. I think, you know, we always hear Singapore is the most physically demanding track with the temperature, and I think Miami has a lot of that. And Miami is ran during the day and not underneath the lights, which helps the track cool off and the air cool off a little bit, being dark, but... Miami is ran in the middle of the day when that sun is brutal at 3 o'clock in Florida. And kind of surprising, there also wasn't a thunderstorm. I thought when they ran the race in May, I thought there would be a chance for thunderstorms because they're kind of getting towards the summer season where there's always rain in the summer months. But that's enough for race slots. Let's get into the results. As you mentioned, Verstappen won the race after he passed Charles Leclerc on lap 9. Leclerc finished second after he couldn't make the pass on Max Verstappen after safety car restart. Carlos Sainz finishing third. A good recovery from practice in the last couple races. I think he really needed that. You keep hearing the phrase, if Carlos Sainz didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. And it kind of seemed true those past couple weekends, especially in Australia and Emola. But this is really good for him to get the confidence back. And then Perez, or Checo, finished fourth after a sensor fault. He was definitely on pace to be third. And if not, I think he might have had a chance to chase down Leclerc. I think this easily could have been 
a Red Bull one too, and I think Ferrari is, was pretty lucky with the sensor fault that caused him to lose five or six seconds in one lap after he was within DRS range of Carlos Sainz. And then after that, they had to fail the sensor, and he was losing 26 horsepower per lap. I did think after they put on the mediums, he's probably going to get third anyways, but he sent one in there. I think he knew it was kind of the end to get that position, but he didn't get it. He finished fourth, you know, good points. I mean, he's really proven his worth here this season. Russell finished fifth, amazing recovery from P12, and but he actually dropped to 15th on the hard tires when he started the race, and he made a good decision. He was like, let's wait it out for a safety car when he was up in fifth anyways. Like, you might as well, because he's, he's just going to drop back. I think I heard he's going to drop back to ninth after he pitted, and he probably would have been in that DRS train. So good call for tires, a good thought for a young guy to be that aware in a car. You know, it's what they talked about when Max Verstappen won the championship, and he was, like, asking Perez to do the strategy during um, the Coda Grand Prix to help him defend um, Hamilton. I mean, I couldn't think about driving a car and the amount of level that takes, but let alone plan your teammate's strategy or plan your own strategy. It was very good, and, and I think it shows a really promising future with them with him finishing fourth or fifth these all these races so far. Um, Hamilton finished P6. Um, not a good strategy call from him, which is surprising. He probably should have boxed, but they made the call to stay out there. I, mean, I think he probably wouldn't have got back to six anyway, so maybe it was a good call. But a good race for him after a tough, tough outing in Emila. And he didn't see the back of Gasly's car this time, which is good for him. Abata's a quiet race. He held off the Mercs um, all the way until the safety car restart period, and there the true pace of the Mercedes came through. And But a good finish for him. I'm really happy for Bottas there. Alcon. Well, should have been driver of the day. I mean, I'm not disappointed that my boy Max Verstappen got it, but amazing recovery from P20. Quiet race, just did what he needed to do, made the passes, ran the right lap times to get this, uh, the overcut on all of them since he started out on hards. But a good restart for him and a good good recovery. And Alexander Albon, Mr. Red Hair Man himself, comes through into the points again. P9 after um, Alonso got a penalty, but we'll talk more about that later. Keep dying that hair red, kid. I mean, they might as well dye the whole car red. Not the Ferrari red, but like Alexander Albon's hair red. Because they'll get all of the points. Latifi will be in the points in no time. Actually, speaking of Latifi, did you see that Um, I saw on the Williams Instagram that they spelled his name wrong on the parade car. They added two Fs <laughs> instead of only having one F. And then Stroll, 10th place from the pit lane. Points after even a contact with Magnussen in the closing laps. Um, Alonso was 9th. He held Stroll out of the points, but then was awarded another 5-second penalty after his first 5-second penalty for causing a contact Gasly, which I believe contributed to the safety car. And both McLarens out of the points. Um, kind of shocking after their strong performance in Emola. Norris DNF'd after Gasly crashed into him, but he wasn't in the points anyway. Daniel Ricciardo was in P13. Really, really tough race for McLaren and a race they definitely look forward to. I know both those Norris and Ricciardo like these cool venues like Miami. So I think it was a tough, tough race for them and I hope they come back with points stronger next time. So we could talk about the racing all day, but with this new track, I also want to talk about the atmosphere. Because again, these tickets sold out in 19 minutes. And this race was highly talked about. I know people who don't watch Formula One who knew I watched Formula One. and They would come and talk to me like, oh, are you excited? Are you going? Well, I'm not going because the tickets sold out in 19 minutes and they're also two grand. But people were very excited for this race. I think it drove a lot of buzz and 
improved the ratings in the United States. Over 2 million people watched the race, which is the largest amount of people watched the race live in the United States, which is a really big deal for the United States. But also the environment on the track was a big thing. I think a lot of people from Europe were saying it feels like a fever dream. I think a lot of people in general were saying it feels like a fever dream. Fever dream. I mean, we did see some funny outfits. One of those talk show hosts with the McLaren boys with their the shirts, which I, I didn't really know what to call those things. They were funny. It was cool, but I was like, um, this is the most prestigious motorsports in the world, and they're wearing those. But I think it's fun. I think it's fun to see something different like that, and I applaud Miami for putting that on and putting that on for the fans. And also, I think they know that's what they wanted out of this. It'd be noticed. They wanted to get people from outside from the one watching this, and I think they definitely did that with over a million viewership boosts because we saw in Bahrain, I believe the viewership in the United States was 1.1 or like just 1 million, which was very big at the time. And then now you have 2 million viewers, the biggest of all time in the United States, which is a big deal. The venue itself was very cool. I thought um, the track was interesting. I do think some parts need to be opened up, but also I think you're restricted by it being a street course and being underneath the underpass, being around a stadium. But I'm just really glad it didn't feel like a car park race. We look at Caesar in Las Vegas, and that was actually a car park race. That was terrible. I never got to see it personally, but I just know if it only lasted a year. And also, let alone with the viewership boost, the amount of celebrities that were there was it's very good for the sport because celebrities bring in sponsorships. So it's a big deal for Formula 1 to have all these celebrities. And I think a lot of teams took advantage of that. I know the Williams, I forget his name, but it was, I've never seen him before. But apparently he has this 360 GoPro. And he'll put on his face and it'll record his face. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. It was. I think it also does support the opinions of the race being kind of like a fever dream. But I thought it was kind of cool. You see uh, David Beckham. You saw... Uh, Michael Jordan, I think you saw LeBron, all these celebrities are there and it's very good for the sport because they post and that draws attention from people who wouldn't be exposed to Formula 1 necessarily. But let's get into like the after race. Can we talk about the podium? First of all, the trophies, very cool. I liked them. They kind of look like the Lombardi trophy with the mix of the Hard Rock Stadium roof, which is very cool. It takes aspects from the venue and um, Dan Marino handing it out was very cool his own statue above his own statue that's hard flex hard flex and then he brought out the helmet to max verstappen who i'm not even sure if he knew who he was maybe he did i like to think he did the podium helmets cool i like it i know coda brought out the cowboy hats the first year so i don't think the helmets will be returning but it makes me interested to see what's going to happen in las vegas i don't think there's like a special hat unless they wear one of those giant flower hats that the flamingo girls wear but i don't think anyone would willingly wear that Maybe they could wear like a fuzzy dice on their head. I think the fuzzy dice might be the best option. I don't know. I'm excited to see what they think of. And if they don't think of something, I'm going to be a little disappointed. But also I don't want them wearing like a giant flamingo hat or necessarily a fuzzy dice. Maybe it's better if they stick with the regular hats. We'll see what they do. I'm sure they're going to do something special. But the podium escort. Oh my goodness. I don't know what I just witnessed. When I saw the police escort, I thought they were like having to go over a major road, go around. So I'm like, oh, it's going to take a while. But then they got going and they went underneath the stadium with all of the team members walking. And I was like, okay, I mean, that that's a little much. 
I don't know if it will be back. I know they had to get to point A to point B fast, and the best way to do that is a police escort. But um, next time, don't turn the lights on in the tunnel, maybe. I feel bad for everyone who was in the tunnel. And my question is, how the heck did Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc get there? They did not have a police escort. Next time, just take the winner in the same way they do. I do like the touch of the golf cart having the name on the top and the number one for first place. That was very cool. I do like that. The podium was cool. I like the podium. I think it's different. It shows the future of digital digital screen podiums. I think it's definitely a future. I think we saw it in Saudi. We saw it in Mexico necessarily. They actually brought the car up from the bottom. So that's different. And also, remember, I, there's a couple races where they had that stand where the car, the winner would park the car. First, like not, I think it was Max Verstappen who won. He didn't realize to park the car there. And then he was told the second time he parked the car there when he won. I think it's cool. I think the digital video age is cool. I think it tracks like Monaco. Don't bring that in because that's a historical track. All in on the Miami Grand Prix. Drivers, teams, and I really like to see that. I think it was really genuine too. I don't think it was Formula One saying, hey, this is our first venue. We've hyped it a lot. We really want to see participation in it. I do think there'll be less special design helmets next year, but all the designed helmets, I love it. I'm already on the pre-order list for Max Verstappen's helmet. I want Daniel Ricciardo's helmet, the Ace Ventura helmet. I loved it. I think it's so cool. It was perfect for the venue. I wish he won so he can bring it out on the podium, even though I know they don't do that. But I love to see that. All the merch is so clean. Alpine had the best merch and I can't find it anywhere. I'm really disappointed because I actually would have ordered some of it. I love to see it. I think it was very cool. And so for race rating, I'm going to take in a lot more than I usually do. I'm going to take a lot in the venue. The racing itself was eh. It had its good points. It had its really boring points. The safety car saved it. I'm not going to be biased since Max Verstappen won or else it'd be a 10 because any race he wins is good because that means he's finished. Three for three with finishing and winning. I think I'm going to really take in the venue and the race sitting here and I'm going to give it a solid six and a half, seven, probably a seven. I'll give it a seven out of 10. The seven out of 10 fever dream is what I'm going to call this race. But I loved it. I think it's cool and I'm really glad it's coming back and I hope the racing improves. I think if there's a chance to make modifications for the slow section, I think they should. I think it also accomplished its goal of bringing in a lot of sponsorship, a lot of viewership. I think I heard from Zach Brown that companies were fighting for sponsorship. And by the time companies want to get on board, it was too late. I think every inch of walls was covered with sponsorship. And it was good to see. It was good to see that there's a lot of support in the United States. And because I live in the United States, I really want there to be some races there. And we'll talk about the scheduling in another podcast for sure that's a very interesting topic but now with that we're going to move on to nascar nascar race at darlington raceway for its annual throwback race also this weekend at the same exact time nascar race its annual throwback race at darlington raceway the goodyear 400 both these races being at the same time was kind of interesting i thought it was kind of interesting for nascar to be taking on the new venue for formula one directly head-on. I think they had the opportunity to start the race a little later considering that they have lights at the track and Miami didn't, but they didn't and I, from what I've seen, the viewership wasn't affected too much. I think they did lose some casual viewers that were more leaning towards watching the Formula One race, but I think overall they didn't affect it too much. There's a lot that happened during this race. I thought it was a very good race, but Kyle Busch parking his car in pit lane was very interesting. Typical Kyle Busch. And we saw a lot of Darlington stripes being left down there. I thought it was very cool for Fox to keep track of those. And I think I saw with like 20 laps to go, there was 
31 Darlington Stripes. Well, I mean, there was one added at the end of the race, but we'll get into that now. Joey's bump and run. I think that's what is on everyone's mind. Joey Logano moved William Byron out of the way on coming to the check, coming to the white flag to win the race. Uh, William Byron was leading the race after the restart, and apparently he ran Joey Logano up into the wall. Um, after watching that video, I do see like he ran him up into the wall, but I mean, that was kind of a racing move. I do think it was a little harsh, but not overly unfair. I think it was more of a racing incident than anything. I don't think it was done on purpose. I think you're racing for the win. You know that being in the lead and being in the clean air is the most important thing. And both of them were trying to go for the same spot, and that was first. But now Joey bumping him before the white flag was probably a little over-aggressive. Joey Gana was catching William Byron at a rate of not after William Byron's handling of the car went away. I think he closed to half a second up a lap, and he was most likely going to get past William Byron unless William Byron got the handling back in his car. But I do think now in today's age, with the playoffs bumping people out of the way for the win, who already have a win, I don't know if that was in the back of Joey's mind, but that was his chance to win. That was his chance to get into the playoffs. You don't know. You can't say, well, I'm in a Penske car. The races will come to me. You don't know. Like Sometimes you can't take that risk. I think if Joey wanted the win and he didn't get him by turn two or three, I think then he could have bumped him out of the way to win. And I think the reaction would have been a lot less harsh. I do think he could have waited. I think he should have made an attempt to pass him. But what I'm trying to say is I understand why Joey Logano bumped him out of the way. I don't think it was because he ran him up into the wall. I think it's because, like Ross Chastain, you don't know when you're going to get a win. And to lock yourself in the playoff, get all that sponsorship money, get the chance to compete for a championship, that's what these drivers are here to do. Winning races help them win championships, and that is the way to do it nowadays. To win a championship, you need to win a race, so they're all there to win the race and get into the playoff and give themselves a chance to fight for the championship. You don't know if your next win's going to come. I mean, look at Denny Hamlin. He didn't win a race at all last season until the playoffs. But if you don't have a good season, like Denny Hamlin actually not having right now, but he has a win. He's in. He's in the playoffs because he won. And that's what the playoffs bring out. And that's why Joey Logano bumped him out of the way, I think. He wanted to get in to fight for a championship, to fight for a second championship. I think that's probably why he didn't give him an attempt to pass him. But I think if Joey's going to... If William Byron was in front of him, when he when the lap went around, he was going to get bumped out of the way. It's just how it happened. And I do think it shows the more aggressive side for NASCAR drivers that is becoming a trend. I do hear a lot that people say Ross Chastain's like a super dirty driver. I don't think he's like super dirty that everyone gets the credit for. I think he's more aggressive than dirty. And Joe Logano is a little borderline dirty, borderline aggressive. I mean, that, that move was more dirty than aggressive. I think it would have been a lot less dirty if you take a shot at trying to pass him, not take a shot at his back bumper. So I do think Joe Logano was probably going to win that race no matter what. It was kind of unnecessary, but it's kind of what happened. Favorite part of Darlington for Throwback Weekend is the Throwback paint schemes. I love them. I think they're super cool. I think it really touches into the heritage of NASCAR and for being a sport for so long. I think it's really important that they have a throwback race. Love the participation this year. I think really like I want to see every team participate, but I understand that sponsorship is really hard to do that. I think we saw BJ McLeod without a sponsorship, but he still threw it back, which is cool to see. But you have to have a perfect sponsor to help you with that. And seeing, I think there's almost 20 cars. I mean, it was hard for me to pick my top three. I couldn't even really do a top three. 
So kind of my top fives here are Wheelie B. I love it. You kind of knew it coming, though. That's the only reason I put it down a little lower. Um, Kyle Larson's was my fourth favorite. It was awesome. It was super cool. And then Corey LaJoy. Corey LaJoy is Corey LaJoy. And I didn't expect anything less from him to do a really out there cool paint scheme. And I loved it. I think it was awesome. I think it brought that extra flair. It really just, it's Corey LaJoy. And then second is Daniel Suarez. Um, I just nothing to say about this. It's neck and neck for first. I think it's just beautiful. I think it's gorgeous. I love the car. And so first is Ross Chastain. Love that car. Love the polar bear. Thought it was cool. I think really I could have gone either way with Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain, but I just kind of went with the one. I love the one, and but I love them all. I think it's... So now we talked a little bit about the race results, but let's get into them. Uh, first place, we have Joey Logano. Bumped him out of the way. Redick in second. So close once again. Third, Haley. Big, big deal for Colig Racing in their first top five. And Justin Haley's first top five since when he won Daytona in 2019. Kevin Harvick, good recovery from the back. Just kind of really quiet race. Got it done. Took it home fourth. Chase Elliott, good recovery after having the run. The second Hendrick car to have the run that zombie car kind of deal with the white in the middle because they don't have enough wrap or don't have time to wrap it up top uh christopher vell only toyota not in trouble we'll talk about that a little more later uh, michael mcdowell just a quiet race got it done help was helped with a little bit of nine car pileup at the in the last restart when um truex spun backwards and ricky stenthouse jr really good race for jtt doherty finishing eighth and finishing second in Dover the weekend before. Really good and really helps his playoff chances, but he's probably still going to need a win. Austin Dillon rounds out a good day for RCR in ninth place. Both their cars in the top 10. Good for them. I'm really excited for RCR to be back. Daniel Suarez kept that paint seam clean. That's all that mattered and got his 10th place finish. Eric Amarola and his last ever throwback, throwback to his grandpa. Cool touch. Loved it. Just 11th quiet race. Ty Dillon, quiet, ran well all day. Uh, William Byron, kind of already know what happened here uh could have finished top three really but ran uh tire ran down and kept him in the top 15 luckily for him but finished 13th uh not the result he wanted and uh he should have been should have had his third win if the handling didn't go away in that car next we got harrison burton good day for the rookie finally gets some momentum coming his way and the same with todd gillen in 15th both these rookies needed a good run and they got it done here today and harrison burton Oh, I left Harrison Burton off my top five list for paint scheme. That paint scheme was amazing. Oh, that that's unfortunate. Oh, that paint scheme was so good. I loved it. But let's talk about people who finished outside the top 15. 2311 should have had two top 10 cars. Kurt Busch got very lucky with his um, picker reacting very quickly to help him not have that penalty. Four-week suspension. I think it was more they're protecting their own butts. But um, Bubba Wallace really needed a good race there, and he was doing very well. He was running up into the top six, top five. I think I saw the high was six maybe but he had a top 10 car they both did 2311 and they got struck again truex spun out taking out both 2311 cars and denny hamlin so more pain for denny hamlin don't post a tweet denny don't get in trouble again uh kyle larson dnf after was the only time we really saw a car get away from another car in the beginning when he got a i think it was about a three second advantage over joey logano unfortunate for him um doesn't need necessarily a good race he's got the win but ross chastain i really want to take a moment to talk about him People, the conversation started for him to be a title contender, and I 100% back that statement. 
because it's not just a one-off the road course in Talladega where he got his wins. You can see like, oh, it's kind of a one-off, but he's running top five all day at any type of track, you name it. I mean, he had a chance to win this race here. Unfortunately, he spun out on Denny Hamlin when running side by side with Denny Hamlin, which ruined his race and unfortunate for him because he's a legit title contender. And I'm really excited that he's having the opportunity to race with Trackhouse and race really well and contend for wins. Now my race rating. I thought this race was amazing. I thought it was a really good race. I don't think it was the best Darlington race we've seen, but I give it a solid 8.5 out of 10. I think it was good, good passing all day. Next-gen car really, really shined here with good battles all over the place. Um, it's not like boosted up by the Joey Logano, Willie B drama. I think it would have been even a nine if we got a good race for the finish there. But I think actually the bump and run actually hurts the rating of the race. So a solid 8.5 out of 10. That's all the big motorsport news that really happened over the weekend that I'm going to cover. But coming up next weekend, it's going to be a busy weekend. It starts out first with IndyCar starting their month-long stay at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, where they take on the road course for the GMR Grand Prix. And I got to say, my favorite guy to win the race is Roman Grosjean. I'm really pumped for him. really hope he has a good race, and I think he's got a good shot to win this race after coming second place last year. And then NASCAR goes to Kansas for the Advent Health 400. Should be a good race. It's going to really start out the normal part of the regular season where the previous races we had a dirt course, a super speedway, a couple short tracks. I think you're going to really see the cream rise to the top here. We're going to really see who our playoff contenders are. And then Formula E heads to Berlin, probably one of my favorite Formula E tracks around the airport. I'm a big airplane guy, so I love airports, and I think it has the best racing. They'll be heading to Berlin for round seven and round eight, but I think it should be a good race. So there's going to be a lot to talk about next episode of Motorsport Monday. It will be on Monday, so be sure to listen out for Monday. And also be sure to check out next Tuesday for the Sports Talk Tuesday, our second podcast. We're super excited, and uh, we've got a lot in the works. Thank you all for listening. Until next time.